재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Koreascape on TBS EFM 101.3 here in Seoul and on streaming platforms all around the world. We here on Koreascape want to know what people are thinking about in Korea. And one of the best ways we can do that is to listen to what they're saying to each other online. And that's what Dive in Korea is all about. Joanne Jung and Jim Bully are here every Friday with some of the hot topics of the week. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, before we jump into the regular roster of topics, you guys have any thoughts on the question of the week? Who do you think should run the torch? Any thoughts? That's a good Um, question. Someone you idolize or someone you think deserves it out of merit. I mean, obviously, Joanne Jung is my first. Joanne Jung would have been my first as well. Am I obligated to say Jim Bully now? I'd like to think Um, so. (laughs) I think we should make a joint dive in Korea run together, that kind of thing. Well, one hand each on the torch. (laughs) That would be very awkward. Um, I think think maybe uh, the survivors of the... The, the Japanese occupation, the, do, you, do yeah. you call them comfort women? Are we allowed okay. to say yeah. that? Wow. Use yeah, that term? That's, that's a, a very serious proposal. Because wow. every single year or every single month, it's sad because you hear news of them passing mm-hmm. away and they have not received a formal apology. Interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we did see some of them carrying it. I had a much less serious answer. I'd like to see Marion Kelly... Off of, uh, off of that BBC news report where she wandered into her dad's uh, study while he was... Oh, The little cute girl with the glasses yeah, that marched in. I'd like to see her dance carrying it. Yeah, the you know, dance. Yeah, yeah that would be good. You could start a petition online. You could start a, a, a page on your favorite social media site and nominate her. And I bet you you would, you would get a ton of votes to have but her. surely they already have it locked in. Like, this stuff's determined. You know, it's an interesting question. 7,000 plus, I guess maybe they've got this gigantic waiting list with every meter covered. But then again, I don't know for sure. I think quite a lot of people who do it are sponsored by the sponsors. You know, uh-huh. So a company that's sponsoring the Olympics is able to sort of sponsor certain athletes or notable figures. To Everybody carry gets it. like a quota. I that think kind that's of part thing. of it. Yeah. I just talked to the designer of the torch yesterday. I never realized until yesterday that um, everybody who runs it has the option of getting that physical torch that they ran with. It's not one device right. throughout the whole thing. Well, yeah, 7,000 people carrying one device would get a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't know. I thought it was the whole point was to pass it and well, pass it. Pass on the flame. Exactly, the flame. The f- ah, so you connect them and you yeah, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look at me they're not just, learning they're not about just lighting the their own ones with a lighter when it gets around to them. They pass <laughs> yeah. on the flame each time. I thought they passed the actual torch. That's no, what I no. thought it was. But it's they light flame to flame. Yeah. There you go. We incidentally have an answer. 6250 says... Um, <laughs> I'm not going to read that whole thing. We want to see Kurt Asian dressed in a very specific olympic outfit <laughs> an olympic gymnastic uniform sorry that's summer that's summer uh not winter wants to see me dressed in a gymnastic outfit carrying the torch no nobody wants to see that nobody wants to see that and thank god it's radio in the first place. you said it jim not me um i'll say it again <laughs> well listen to joanne i don't know if that's what that means but all right so first topic voting age uh korea is Flirting with the idea of lowering the voting age from 19 to 18, if I understand it right. 18 is the age in all of our countries, right? Yeah, that is very true for everything across the board in Australia. uh, Legal drinking age, voting age and driving age, all 18. Okay. So why is this such a big deal in Korea? Well, it's currently 19 years old and... Uh, this whole city is trying to lead the way and people are like, you know, a lot of commenters online, I've noticed, they're saying they are way too young to be making decisions like this. They do not pay their taxes. They don't earn their own money. They don't know anything about money. They don't have the right to make decisions. 
Well, a lot of Koreans <laughs> live with their parents until they're 31 and 32. I think that's Shall we the raise the cultural difference or? there. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because in places like Australia, people start working or they, they work part time from when they can, which is like 15 or 16. Yeah. So they, they're pretty money savvy. And, you know, they, they pay, pay taxes on that too. So they know what, where their money is going to and they, they sort of form their own decisions from a very early age. Whereas in Korea, like you said, people live with their parents until they get married, which can be into their 30s. In every other sense, uh, when you turn 18, you are uh, a legal adult in Korea, correct? Uh, I think 성년의 날 or adult day or coming of age day is 20 is here it in Korea. Okay. I think you can't drink till you're 90. It's, right. Does 18 actually mean anything? I don't think it means anything 19. here in ah, Korea. So it is yeah. 19. 19 yeah. is the age of adulthood, as it were, yeah. in most instances. Right, right. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, this, part of this kind of stems... from the, um, the afterglow of the candlelight protests, right? Oh, definitely. And this whole city mayor, Park Won-soon, actually pointed that out. He's like, you know, we saw that earlier this year. They're pretty capable of forming decisions and, and you know, getting their voice out there. Mm. They should be able to vote. And people are like, you know, they're not children, but they're not adults either. And, um, yeah. Would it be safe to say that, that it's kind of more the progressive or left-leaning politicians that want to empower younger people rather than the conservatives? You are very correct. That's, that's the issue here. People are saying ahead of next year's um, local or regional elections, they're thinking that this whole May is trying to get some younger voters to vote for him. Um, well, they're not happy with this. Sort of broadly speaking, not entirely, obviously, but broadly speaking, there is sort of a generational shift in terms of politics in Korea, hugely, like we saw during the candlelit protests. You, do, you know, your, your sort of ultra conservatives tend to be the much older generations and your more liberal leaning groups do tend to be much younger generations. There is a definite sort of age split there. Yeah, I, I can imagine it must be frustrating for 18-year-olds here in Korea to, to feel in limbo. I mean, you, are, you have a lot of expectations placed on you. You have a lot of responsibilities that you live up to, and you've got to wait another year before you can go to polls. But do they really get to follow politics at all when they're 18? Because they're focused on studying. Well, I don't know. I mean, we seem to be, not us, but you know, the conversation seems to be sort of connecting being politically minded and being fiscally independent. You know, having, if they, they don't pay taxes and are responsible for money, therefore they shouldn't vote. I don't really see, you know, largely these days we vote on social issues. 10, 20 years ago, people mainly voted on economic issues and defense issues. These days, in Korea, we vote very much on defense issues and social issues. There's no reason why your economic situation would impact your ability to understand those different policies. And, you know, Korean kids do learn about politics in school. They are engaging with these things, even when they're studying. They have, I would think, you know, just as much right in terms of intelligence and understanding to vote as anyone else. I'm throwing this out there, but are they encouraged in school to form their own opinions on stuff like that, though? Doesn't it really depend on what their teacher tells them? I think it's sort of just fed to them. Well, I think that comes up, doesn't it? I mean, um, they are still very much under the thumb exactly. of teachers. So the teachers can kind of steer them and railroad them in, in certain ways. I don't know. I mean, that's... That's just life in the big city, right? I mean, if you, if you make a decision, you have to process different influences. Right. And it's not like the, the rest of us are 
sort of free of those influences. We're all influenced by the newspapers we read or the TV channels we watch or the people we hang out with. We're all under different forms of influence. If anything, for sort of high school kids, it's, it's more obvious, more easy to pinpoint where you're getting your influence from. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Are there any um, sort of short of changing the voting age? Uh, is anybody pro- proposing any other ways to sort of politically empower younger people or is it sort of uh, up or down, change the age? Well, I mean, this comes in line with a list of policies directed towards the youth that Seoul City has planned over the next five years. And I think that um, they're trying to, I don't know, they're trying to increase the number of like cultural exchange programs, increase financial aid for students who are from, you know, underprivileged families um, and and make more youth juveniles, you know, juvenile shelters and stuff like that. Just do everything in their power to sort of um, make life easier for um, youths living here in Seoul. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of youths living here in Seoul, apparently. Um, and it, it, you know, the budget that they're setting aside for this, this is a big budget. It's like what, um, in excess of 486 billion won, which is like $437 million yeah. over the next five years, just for youths alone. Um, and this all comes out of taxpayers' money. It will become, I presume, a source of greater and greater political tension uh, in coming years, where the social welfare budget goes, because the elderly uh, population is growing very fast, and they're going to need more welfare and social services, things like that. Whereas the youth um, right. are going to say, "Hey, we need a head start in life." Mm-hmm. Let's listen to some comments from ordinary Koreans posting online, as read by our robo readers. <laughs> If they lower the voting age, at least they won't be able to use students as test dummies every single time they want to make changes to the education system. If they lower the voting age, those test dummies won't disappear. They'll be lured into voting by sweet, empty promises. This is something that should be done based on society's level of maturity and public consent. You can't just haphazardly copy another country. The children are our future, but this isn't what they're talking about. Don't determine whether people can vote based on their age. Base it on whether they pay taxes. These kids probably receive an allowance from their parents. Why should we allow kids who haven't earned or paid a single cent to the country to vote on issues like tax increases and welfare policies? You guys, I hear a certain degree of condescension possibly infantilization of the young population. There was one robo-reader who said uh, something about test dummies. What was that all about? Oh, test dummies. I think this has to do with uh, Korea being very... uh, putting students in limbo regarding the college entrance exam. They're like, one year, they're like, okay, we're going to focus on this part of the exam more and, and students prepare for that. But like two years down the track, they're like, oh no, starting in what, like 2018, we're going to do this. So students are like, okay, which test do we prepare for? Which format? And they're getting very, very confused. Sometimes they think they're disadvantaged in a way because, you know, come their turn, they don't know what's going to come next. Uh So they're kind of saying that if they have a vote, at least they can be part of that discussion rather than just sort of being messed around. Exactly. Well, the other thing, I mean, there was another comment that said, you know, these guys don't even pay their taxes and you know, they get an allowance from their parents. Maybe, you know, so many of these social discussions can be framed in terms of policy and then household. To what extent does the household need to change? I think maybe maybe parents need to nudge their young people out of the nest a bit earlier. Um, you know, it, it's it's all 
rare that in our countries, the US, Australia, or the UK, that somebody is still living at home very much as part of the nuclear family by, say, age 30 or so, right? In Korea, that's quite common. Yeah, that's definitely uncommon where where we all come from. But again, I don't see why that impacts someone's ability to to vote. I don't see why that impacts their ability for the political opinion where they you know where they live. I don't see why that would. Well, affect so it. you hear these arguments being made that they're not quite independent, right? They're yeah. not on the tax roll. They're not living by themselves. You know, they're almost like not a discrete political unit yet because they're still under the family wing. Yeah, and know. I've also noticed that in comments that um, people are saying that. The, the youths are going to be more easily influenced by negative campaigning and sensationalistic policies. Again, I find that condescending. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen, we've seen in the last year, time and time again, that anyone can be influenced by negative campaigning and sensationalist reporting. Across the board, yeah. 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 I mean, and there are some very devious tricks out there in terms of memes and social media and photo and stuff like that. And frankly, I think um, the younger generation sometimes has a better lie detector when it comes to all of this constant fire hose of, uh, you know, sort of sliced and diced media online. Don't you find? I think younger generations see through uh, scams, whereas, you know, it's it's your uncle that forwards on that email that says oh, this. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. They are more savvy. And I, I mean, just personally, you know, I'm thinking of my own experience. I was more politically engaged and more of a political animal at sort of 17, 18 years old. And I have a degree in politics. Yeah. You know, um, I was far more interested then. I was engaged. I was working for political parties. I was writing in political magazines and stuff. I cared a lot more about it then than I, than I do now. I wish I still had that level of engagement that I did when I was 18 years old. What happened to the idealistic Jim Bully? <laughs> It's a great question. I think we have time for it today. <laughs> uh, that cliffhanger, the saga of Jim's descent into cynicism perhaps if uh, jim had been empowered to vote you were empowered to vote at 18 i was empowered to vote at 18 so the young jim bullies of korea with an idealistic doe-eyed view of the future who are ready to think in blue ocean terms about how they want to change their society maybe this uh, approach of lowering the voting age um could work for them it's probably you know, within reason, it's probably a good idea to expand uh, the franchise to have uh, more and more people involved in the active debates that surround elections. The more voices, the better, within reason. Aren't you glad I settled that, guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Done. Put a pin in Done. that one. It's finished. All right. Dive in. Korea returns in just a moment. We're going to be tackling some pretty serious issues when Koreascape returns right after this. We're back with Dive In Korea Friday. Jim Bully and Joanne Jung have picked out some of the buzzing social media topics of the week, and we're listening to what Koreans have to say about those topics. This is a serious matter. The second topic, um, abortion for all practical purposes is illegal here in Korea, and uh, it's under discussion to possibly change that. Let's Let's frame this discussion a little bit, Joanne. Okay, well, on September 30th, there was this uh, petition that was put up on the Chongwade, or the presidential office website, calling for decriminalizing um, abortions here in Korea, because currently abortions are illegal. Mm. Illegal here in Korea. And people can actually be um, fined a lot, uh, uh, I think about $1,800, or face a prison term of up to one year. That's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Mind you, not many people are penalized or arrested for you know, performing abortions or going through one. 
But um, you know, it doesn't change the fact that it is illegal. But on the books, you could face punishment not only as the doctor that performs it or the clinic that performs it, but as the woman who opts for the procedure as well. Right. And the the person who put up the petition also said, um, under the current law, if anything goes wrong with that procedure, the woman undergoing that surgery will not be protected. There's nothing that the government or anyone can do to help them. And that's serious as well. And as the law currently exists, it does allow a few a few slivers of exception for extenuating circumstances, right? Right, right. Um, And they actually got more than 200,000 people to sign that particular petition, which means that Cheongwada actually has to form an opinion on this and make a statement to the public. They haven't done that as of yet. They're forming an opinion and whatnot, but it's it's currently um, going through the National Assembly and people are talking about it. An opinion coming from Chongwa Day at some point. So they must be really working hard to clarify a stance. It's a bit of a tightrope, isn't it? It, it is. It is. Um, well, uh, what should we do? I mean, uh, is it a matter of uh, trying to look into a crystal ball and imagine how this uh, administration might respond to this petition? Or is that even possible? We have no idea what the National Assembly is going to say about this. But we know that people in general are actually in favor of... legalizing abortions. And this was not the case seven years ago. Now, Real Meter, which is a polling organization, they carried out a survey seven years ago in February of 2010, asking whether we should decriminalize abortions. Now, 53.1% said no, and 33.6% said yes. They conducted the same survey this week, and the polls returned. People, more than 50% said they... you know, were for this decriminalization um, of abortions. They said they wanted this to be legal. Um, and this, this is a big change, a big cultural shift within seven years regarding this particular issue. What's the legality uh, framework of abortion in the UK, Jim? You know, I honestly don't know what the fine details are, but there isn't as much of a discussion around it as in the media and stuff as you see in America okay. uh, and in other countries. So I think that we're um you know that we're a bit more liberal uh, yeah. in terms of in terms of the legality of it, but I'm not 100% well, sure. Well, and of course there's neighboring Europe all around you, so um it's relatively easy in practical terms for those seeking to have an abortion to uh, to travel to the European mainland. Um it's got to be one of the most difficult issues uh, on the planet. I mean, the people who argue for the legalization of abortion will argue that it's not an argument for abortion. Nobody likes the idea of abortions. Uh, Some of the people who argue for the legalization of abortion say abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. In other words, use all the other levers of communication and society and so on to um, encourage women into other options than abortion. Right, you're right. And they're saying that even if it is illegal, it still happens anyway, so we should make it safer. Mm-hmm. We should make it safer. And um, it, it, this particular issue hasn't been in the spotlight, um, but over the past few years, the National Assembly has been talking about this. Back in 2012, they actually you know, conducted a vote and said, should we make it legal? Now, they were split for Verse 4. So they said, okay, we're Thai, we should just keep it the way it is. Now, in 2016, um, under a more conservative administration, they said that 
they should tighten the rules on, you know, the illegality of abortions. They're like, you know, we should make it more strict. We should make this more, you know, a more criminal issue here if anyone goes through such a procedure. Right. It's enforcing it. That's really the devil is in the details of that. Uh, you can, you know, legislate whatever theory of, of, the, crim- of the criminal law you want, but uh, you have to enforce it if the law is going to be respected by anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's in, an, you know, in, it's very intrusive to try to enforce it. There are other options, pharmaceutical options in other countries that allow a woman to take the matter into her own hands. Have, have those questions gained any traction here in Korea? Are you talking, are you referring like to morning the abortion, after pills, more that abortion kind of pills? Or? I think the petition actually mentioned one particular um, abortion pill. Um, apparently that was uh, made by a French pharmaceutical company. It's been around since the early 90s. Apparently, 119 countries currently import the medicine, so why shouldn't we, which is what the petition is stating right now. Um, that would make the procedure easier for people, but we're still not sure on, on the safety issues regarding abortion pills. Mm. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to, what to say about that in particular. All right. That kind, well, of, that yeah, kind of touches on... The, one of the big issues when you legislate against something like this is that you automatically make everything riskier because people end up taking you know, matters into their own hands or seeking surgery in a less secure environment and immediately becomes far more dangerous for everyone involved. Ipso facto, your environment in which you're seeking the procedure is unsupervised, unregulated, and it comes with all of these sort of attendant risks. We've got a figure here. 170,000 abortions are conducted each year. Here in Korea, which is the government estimate, we don't have exact figures, but right. they're estimating that 170,000 abortions each year. And so, in broad practical terms, it is possible to get the procedure, uh, but within that number, surely there must be a, a, a gradient of risk. And some of the um, procedures must uh, take place in less than optimal circumstances. We've got some voices. We've uh, made this our word on the street question, real voices, real answers, as recorded on the streets of Seoul. Minor technical snafu today. What we're going to do is hear the answers sequentially in terms of translation. Let's listen to just the straight Korean answers. We'll come back and Joanne and Jim will help us understand what was said via English translation. Let's roll it. Here's what people had to say about legalizing abortion. Uh, 
um, as someone who has grown up here in this nation who um, really appreciated the conservative culture of where they valued every life and um, strong family bonds like Chong. Um, it really is heartbreaking to see that people would want to get rid of lives. Why would you even um, go into a relationship if you're not ready to have a family or to take responsibility for your actions? For me personally, I think it's, uh, a child is a gift, so you really have no choice, but you just have to take care of them. Like for example, um, if you were raped or like sexually harassed, I think the child doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, if it reminds you of what happened, and I guess you have to really go through, a, I don't know, what do you call this, a, a therapy or like something like that because in the long term the child will be affected and who are we to say to kill people right because I think abortion is literally killing there we go a uh, sort of potpourri of voices we did hear some English speaking voices in there but Joanne and Jim you want to help us out with a uh, few of the translations mm, okay the first clip uh, she said I think that banning abortion is actually causing more people to engage in illegal activities mm. and also if you're not ready to be a parent it's better to just have an abortion it, I think it, it'll be worse if you were to give birth only to abandon the baby later okay so the first guy we heard said, to the extent that it doesn't seriously threaten one's health, abortion should be allowed. If someone wants an abortion, they should have one. Why is the government trying to stop them? Is the government going to take responsibility on their behalf? They're just going to get it illegally anyway. Oh, goodness. Uh, because of the birth rate, women are being pressured into giving birth. And so many people see women as a baby-making machine. As a woman myself, I think that it's important for all women to state our thoughts and uphold our beliefs. Mm. I feel that fetuses have the right to life and deserve to tr be treated with dignity. So I consider abortion as a kind of murder. And so I'm pretty much against it. Okay. Are those all the voices? Yeah. Yep. A real assortment, uh, some conservative voices there too. Obviously, the question enters, at what point does human life begin? Uh, and what at what point do we call it for legal purposes human? Uh, that is surely a debate that uh, Koreans are beginning to have when they talk about uh, the possible legalization of abortion. I mean, we appreciate all, all um, comments from all genders, but I think the sensitive issue here is that only women currently are held accountable for these abortions, not the men. It's a very good point. So, yeah, there's no so, yeah. real way. There's no, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I guess we're going to see how this unfolds. Uh, it's a very sensitive topic, and uh, we can mark it as a positive that uh, at least it's out in, in the open uh, conversation sphere. People are taking it seriously, and Koreans will have to come to some decision. We'll wait to see what Chung Wa Day's reaction to that petition is. Let's shift gears. We're going to have a little fun now and move into gaming and robots and AI. We've seen some more smackdowns between sort of uh, liquid brains and solid circuit brains on the gaming field. <laughs> James, uh, Jim, what do you think? Uh, you want to break it down for us? Yeah, so there's a couple of robotic and computer-related stories this week that are quite interesting. And the first, the big one, is that humans and artificial intelligence, AI, have faced off once again 
Um, so we've, we saw the Go competition earlier this year. We had the translation off. And then this year they faced each other in a well-known, um, real-time strategy game based mm-hmm. in the future. One of the very, very popular games that's huge in Korea. Uh-huh. Sci-fi. You have your insect armies and all that kind of stuff fighting each other. Exactly. That's the one. Now, they, this, to, to, in order to sort of make this an accurate test, they got three humans. Uh, and a load of AI bots. And the two of the humans were amateurs. They were, I mean, you know, they weren't just like people off the street. They played the game, but they weren't professionals. One of the humans, um, who's called Song Byung-gu or Stork, because if you're a professional gamer, you get a cool... Stork like the bird, not stalk like you would stalk somebody. Right, stalk like the bird. Um, he's a professional. He's a programmer. He's one of the best gamers in the world. So these three guys faced the bots separately, and it ended with a tie. Whilst the bots were able to produ- to beat both the amateur players, so there was 10 games in total. Each amateur played three games each, and then the pro game played four. Whilst the bot were able to beat the amateurs in five out of six games, the professional gamer won every single bout. What do you chalk that up to, Jim? Well, the reason why this game, why this game was such an exciting thing, this was kind of seen as the next test in AI development. Even by the people, you know, AlphaGo, the people behind um, all of the previous things, this was the one they were waiting for, because this real-time strategy game is not something that a machine can really learn. Yeah. You know, so machines benefit on on machine learning. There's there's a certain like a million moves you can make a machine can learn it just like that. It can practice it and learn again and again and again. A real-time strategy game like this really depends on your opponent and that's very difficult for deep learning to interpret. So whilst the game was able to beat the amateurs because it's just that much faster. So your average human, they have this thing called APM, which is actions per minute. It's essentially how many times you can click a mouse right. usefully. Your average human, professional human, can probably get between 200 and 300 clicks of a mouse per minute. The bot was averaging about 20,000. So against the amateurs, they definitely had a speed advantage. Yes. But the pro just knew what he was doing. He was more familiar with the game. He was more intuitive. And that's not something that the technology was able to replicate. With every passing three or four seconds on a game like this, uh, sort of a multi-user domain kind of thing, the entire framework changes, right? Exactly, it's not yeah. like you have one task or one strategy. All of a sudden, the the layout of what you're trying to do will change. Right, you so have it's to reactionary. Re- it's reactionary. And there's very little in the term of sort of long-term strategy yeah. uh, in the way of more, you know, like something like uh, like Go is a very strategic game right. and, and bots are able to learn ways around problems. With something like this, the the professional, obviously, has, he's one of the best in the world at this game. He's played in competitions all over the place. He's used to reacting in unexpected ways that the bot just couldn't handle. Mm. That, However, so even though it ended in a tie, the professional guy, uh, Mr. Stork, did say that he was surprisingly impressed with how well the AI did and that it was responding in ways that even he hadn't expected and that it is just a matter of time before they're even able to handle these kind of things. really is. It's just more variables and eventually they will build those various variables into the the scenario and the computer can play itself the way it plays itself on Go and get smarter. You a gamer, Joanne? No, no, I was horrible. I I think I locked myself in at one point because I built around (laughs) myself too much. Let's just say I'm not difficult to defeat for ordinary AIs. I mean, my console game beats me on simple shootout games so i think i would uh, i would fall victim to this ai very quickly well for those though anybody keeping score of the uh of the you know incoming ai revolution currently if we take in those three contests the go the translation and this game we are 
AI won one, we won one, and there's one tie. So we're very much level pegging still with the computers. The thing is, sorry, sorry, if if I played against an AI robot like this and I wasn't very good, would I screw up their their algorithm? Would I dumb them down basically, or would I have no effect on them at all? Would- <laughs> That's an interesting question. I don't. Th- I think that they're intelligent enough to learn from you know things that beat them. If they beat you, then they're not going to start to learn your strategy because they know it didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they learn from success. So if they get beaten by something, then they're going to look at that and learn from that and see how that happened. If they beat you in ten seconds flat with their twenty thousand clicks a minute, then they're not going to think this is worth <laughs> taking on board. Yeah. I, again, I think it's just a question of the the variables, the number of sort of outcomes on the tree when you're playing paddock or chess or something like that. Each move has maybe five possible outcome trees. And uh, with a game like this, it's far more complex. There might be a couple dozen. It's just a matter of time before it catches up. So uh, let's switch to a simpler form of AI uh, that has already kind of caught up to our human needs. Uh, More and more robots appear to be, simple robots, appear to be springing up in everyday contexts. Yeah, so if you may have noticed uh, in your day-to-day life that there are robots everywhere now. I mean, you can find robots in the banks, the bookshops, hospitals, department stores, airports, even supermarkets now have robot, I mean, I'm going to say employees, but I don't know know whether they get paid or have unions. Mm. Um, And the most common one is, is called Pepper. It's a humanoid robot, and it is the one on the street these days. If you see a little human-looking robot in your bank or your department store or your supermarket or your bookshop or your hospital, that is Pepper. Kind of the only other major robot is the ones that they have in the airports, which are a bit different. They're like big talking screens. But Pepper is a little humanoid one. Have you seen Pepper, Joanne? No, I've only seen them, them, him, her, in articles. It. It. Yeah. Uh, geez, I got to go to the bank more often. But what does Pepper do? Ask you uh, have a conversation with you or something? Well, Pepper's a customer services robot. Oh, there he is. I've got a, I've got him on a screen now. It's like a little person with a tablet on his chest. Okay, or her chest, or its chest. Its chest. Um, and <laughs> Pepper can be found pretty much all over the place. And it, obviously, what it does, its functions depend on where it is. Okay. But they've all been programmed by the same Korean telecoms company, so a lot of the functionality will be the same. So, for example, if you go to the bank. You can just make polite conversation with Pepper if you want to. It uses online database sites to sort of fuel its knowledge. Um, it'll play games with you. It'll dance. It'll tell you jokes. But it can also offer some um, sort of customer-specific knowledge to that place. So, for example, if you go to the bank and say to Pepper, I'd like to buy a house, but I, I don't have enough money, Pepper will say, ah, what you're looking for is a mortgage. <laughs> Unfortunately, it can't tell you which mortgage or what the bank offers. That's right. as far as it goes at the oh, moment. Oh, really? But it's got, you know, if you're in the department store and you say, where's the toilets? Pepper will direct you. It can do that kind of thing. Okay. Um, equally, it, if, you, if you go up to a Pepper, any of them, I'm told, uh, and ask it what age it thinks you are, it will always lowball the guest to make you feel better about yourself. Well, that's uh, flattering. So it's cheeky. It'll dance. It'll play games with you, that kind of thing. You can, Pepper will raise your self-esteem. Do you reckon Pepper passes the Turing test? No. He still looks a bit artificial, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, he it just, it doesn't have legs to start with. He rolls along yeah. on a um, platform. But he does have a, you know, a face. But, I mean, at the moment, Pepper is fairly rudimentary, so we don't need to worry about Pepper teaming up with the AI bots from the online game and taking over the world. Uh, he, all he can do is tell you you need a mortgage. But as it gets better and better and better, you're going to see more and more Peppers around the place. I love these AI discussions. We've got our own sort of AI standing by, our equivalent of uh, the artificial intelligence age. They're the robot readers. 
They have got some comments from Koreans, not just on these robots like Pepper, but also on the AI competitions and gaming that we were talking about. Let's go ahead and roll that now. We ask for a pay raise and a save up on paychecks to buy a robot. You guys should be ashamed of yourselves. This isn't AI. This is just simple algorithms. The thing can't even learn the simplest things by itself. This is great news. I hope we see a continued advancement in technology in Korea and hope it improves the lives of many. Robots study hard and humans stand by and watch. Is this what our future holds? I mean, it makes sense. Because robots can learn what humans learn during their entire lifetime in just half a day. Cynical bunch of robot readers today. I don't know if they're trying to mislead us about uh, the speed at which AI is developing. But um, it was somebody had some real critical remarks there about the AI gaming. They said, these are not learning. They're just uh, following a bunch of algorithms, sort of if-then kind of things which is like a program. It's not a, an AI learning to play the game better. Well, I don't think that's, I don't think that's entirely correct. As I understand from, and you know, we had reporters there. Uh-huh. I, as I understand it, they are using AI. It's just very limited how much help deep learning is in these games. Huh. You know, so it's not that they're not using the, the technology. It's just that the whole point of this test was to see whether it actually helped. And I think that's kind of been misconstrued. Yeah, I think the bit. public has been misinformed about stuff like this. Interesting. Maybe just the arc of the deep learning is longer than it is with a game of uh, Baduk or something like that. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah I, think that's, I think that's definitely true. And the first comment was a little <laughs> amusing. We asked for a pay raise and they save up on paychecks for us to buy a robot. Yeah, I mean, that's why from next week, this show is going to be hosted by Pepper, not by Kurt Asian. That's, that's uh, right. That's the new. <laughs> well, I'm hoping Pepper can fill in while I, uh, you know, head to Southeast Asia for a week or two. But the problem is Pepper's going to do such a good job that they're going to keep him permanently. We can only hope. <laughs> Ooh, ow. You have become cynical. What happened to 18-year-old Jim Bully? Have you seen Pepper? It's adorable. It, Pepper is adorable. And it'll constantly tell me that I'm younger than I look. <laughs> well, at least someone will. What more could you want? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Joanne, any final thoughts about AI? I mean, li- look, the topic, the macro topic that everybody's going to be talking about. I'm sorry, about. I have thoughts, but they're not very intellectual. I'm looking at the photo now. I'm like, why? Why okay, is that made to dance? What use could Pepper you know, have in a bank? Well, I think it's just to cheer people up. In the bank? Yeah, you wait a long time. You take your little number on a piece of paper and then sit there and interact with Pepper while you're waiting for a teller. It's just an expensive internet search engine, in my opinion. Yeah. I am hoping Pepper can uh, make a decent margarita or something like that or bring, us, uh, bring me a latte while I wait. That's what you need, the bar pepper. That's the next stage. The bar pepper. Yes. Or like that'll be what serves you in the airport. It'll be, sir, while salt you wait for pepper. your flight. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> or would you like to speak to my companion, Salt? I'll be taking your job next week. But have a cocktail. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week. We're going to talk about some more topics next week. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank Thank you. you.